Hello and welcome, welcome to the Backenders podcast, bringing you all the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. We cover each tennis slam. We are unafraid to slam tennis. And with me, a man who has been devastated this week by the loss of the Queen. So he's been playing his Queen album and particularly Fat Bottom Girls on repeat uh, and... Has bought himself a set of corgis to <laughs> roam around his apartment, clean up all his pizza scraps. That man, of course, is Catters. Catters, welcome. Lightning, great to be with you. And I know you said all those things in jest, but we've had a lot of fun over the years. And I think perhaps it's time to just spend a moment with our listeners to reflect and pause in a moment's silence for said queen. Mm. Yes, that was obviously our opportunity to pay our respect to the Queen that has, through her sovereignty, ruled over our nation of Australia, and that is Queen Margaret Court. (laughs) And the Queen's Court is one that we respect, and it really has come to the fore this tournament, Lightning, because her legacy is preserved forever, and I think that's a magnificent result for the Commonwealth, and all other nations to admire. From a distance, she's ours, not yours. But it could have just as easily been a moment silence lightning to reflect on the death of the hopes and dreams of the men's next gen. Yes. Because what we've witnessed at this tournament is the emergence of one 19-year-old to rule them all lightning. Mm -hmm. We've been talking for so long about who is going to wrestle the mantle from these three old geezers who keep (laughs) eating all the pies at the pie stand before anyone else gets a chance to get their snout in the collective trough. And I've mashed a few (laughs) analogies there, but I think our listeners, particularly those of the hungry persuasion, will follow me quite well there. And this 19-year-old has stepped out of the shadows and into the spotlight, claimed his first Grand Slam, and he is, of course, Carlos the Rock Alcaraz. Yes. What an absolute superstar. And this poses a problem for all of those chumps born between 1990 and mm. 2000 who mm. thought they had a chance at a post-Federer, post-Rafa, post-Novak slam. That window... What's that sound? That's the sound of a window closing on your face. And so very little sympathy as we look across the globe to one Kei Nishikori in Japan, one Sasha Shame in Germany, one Milos Ryanic in Canada. It's a global assault on the hopes and dreams. Dimitrov. Dimitrov, wherever he's from. Comes from some other planet. <laughs> Yes. One of the arms of Voltron, I think, Stimitrov. <laughs> and they are flying their intergalactic flag at half-mast <laughs> because all of these chumps can take up another career because there ain't no chance anymore. And no. it's kind of bittersweet for me because mm. on one hand, 
it would have been nice for one of them to win a trophy. But on the other hand, I don't really like any of them and they've never really interested me. So I guess it's not bittersweet. It's it's quite sweet. So Lightning, oh, sorry, Lightning, I also forgot Stefanos Sitsipas. I don't know how potentially him and his countrymen would be handling their grief. Maybe you could come with a suggestion. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he didn't win any silver plates that he could then smash. <laughs> so I'm lost for ideas at this point, Cutters. He saw the writing on the wall and ducked out on the very first day of play, and yeah. I thought that was an admirable decision. Yeah, well, he saw the writing on the wall and threw a plate at it. <laughs> <laughs> so I look forward to seeing all of their new careers. I'm guessing in Stefanos's case, it will be as a shirtless philosopher roaming the beach, <laughs> offering to write poems for tourists uh, at a very, very affordable rate. Yeah, it'll be a little weird though because he's going to have his dad walking a couple of steps behind him just telling him what he should write at each point. <laughs> and, and anyone else we've left off lightning? I well. think uh, Gail Monfils, of course. Oh, yes. Who absolutely made very little of his career. Mm. And Todd Martin, I've been pushing for quite some time to be included in the next gen. <laughs> You have often referred to him, Catters, as, as the next big thing. And um, I've always really just seen Todd Martin as just as just a big thing. That's, so maybe he has fulfilled his potential. He's, I felt like you never took me seriously when I said he's going to be a massive star. And you just took it as he's going to be a mass. And in that respect, he has fulfilled all potential. One of the few players who's asked... For bagels when walking out on court. <laughs> so this is a massive twist, Lightning, and mm. I've done a bit of Freakonomics. I've dived into why is this generation such a waste of time? Mm. This next gen that were dubbed mm. the big thing that we're going to take over the mantle from the elder statesman. And if you look, they were all born between 1990 and the year 2000. Mm. And... I well, in that sense, I'm seeing a pattern. Um, their birth came between a set of ten years. Um, yeah. <laughs> that that is this freakonomics you're into is incredible, Catters. The problem is lightning. You often take one data point and overlay another. I just don't have the, at hand the other data point that might add quite a bit of value to our listeners. <laughs> Any chance we can pause this podcast and reconvene in about three months would be really handy right now. Um, I apologize for my economics. I will try better next time. Suffice to say that these kids have given us nothing and watch out because the teenagers are here to stay. Mm. And we should, of course, bring our listeners up to speed because it is, as you said, Carlos The Rock Alcaraz took out the US Open and has now, in doing so, become the youngest male world number one of all time. He's a Grand Slam winner, Cutters. He's now won more Grand Slams than Zvarev, James Duckworth, Renee Stubbs and Wally Masua all put together. It is just an incredible effort coming from the clouds. The next next gen has arrived. And Lightning, I like the guy. 
I'm a massive fan, but I think you who knows me as well as anyone knows that there is a but coming. A <laughs> but of Todd Martin proportions. And that is that this guy is not really a character. I have two things against him. One is that he's a little bit too likable, refined, easygoing, unremarkable, I would say. Mm-hmm. And the other part is that he's Spanish. Now, before all of you Espanols bombard me... <laughs> with letters and singing telegrams of angst towards me, might I tell you that in the words of Tina Turner, you don't need another hero. You win everything at the moment. Last time I checked, your football team has won ridiculous amounts of silverware. You have Rafa freaking Nadal, who's pulled in 21 Grand Slam Cups. I haven't seen a non-Spaniard win at bullfighting in the last 500 years. You guys are living your best sporting life. You don't need this champion. Please give us something. As an Australian slash Dane slash recently verified poll, I ask you to give me some success. I've got nothing in my head. I'm just... Really excited, and I want to hug the whole stadium. Cutters, it's now time for Come On, a chance to consider what has got us going over this last fortnight. And as you just said, your Polish roots have come to the fore. Your Polish soon-to-be ancestors have been celebrating the win on the women's side of Iga Svantec and in the 2022 Not Us Open Cutters, a tournament in which no one wanted to win the thing, in which no one wanted to be seen as a legitimate threat, who could have possibly predicted that world number one, hidden in a (laughs) Trojan horse in what we should call the pole position, snuck through the field (laughs) from the front of the field to take out a Grand Slam I mean, Katis, she has just cemented herself at the top of the women's game by beating Ols Jabeur, a favourite here on the podcast, and in doing so has become the first woman in six years to win two different Grand Slams. In the same year, she has now taken out the French and now onto a hard court that has not been her preferred surface. She has taken all before her cutters. The thing that impresses me most about this woman is her finals record. Check out these set results from all of her previous finals. 6-4-6-1, 6 4 6 1 6 love 6 love 6 2 6 love 6 4 6 10 finals. How is that for a record, Catters? This woman is unstoppable. Incredible lightning. I'm so excited about her because, as you know, early days we thought, quite funny, she's named after an obscure polyester <laughs> that most of my hugging t-shirts are made of, where when watching tennis, you've often commented, my nipples do the talking. But she has managed to elevate her game to the point where she is utterly dominant. We'll get on later to the ranking system. Like books, I don't really believe in them, but she is far and beyond anyone else in this system. She is probably double the points of her nearest competitor. Mm. And it shows she was so dominant, yet 
it came in an unlikely way. I remember when we were setting out, we didn't predict a lightning. And if we're not predicting it, clearly <laughs> she had no chance. And the two key reasons that are ringing in my ears, when we were carefully watching the pre-tournament press conference, she was very clear to outline two things that she mm. took issue with. Mm. The first being New York City. Yes. Good start, entering a new tournament <laughs> based in said city. So that mm. did not make me feel like she would be comfortable as an introvert in front of 20,000 psychotic fans. <laughs> Secondly, she had an issue with the balls. Mm. Now, call me old-fashioned, but a ball's a ball. It is yellow. It has air in it. Sometimes it's furry. You hit it over the net. You take your check. You go home. And we all know that you don't particularly like hard courts, Eager. So is there anything that you actually did like? Could you have just in the press conference mentioned that the net is looking like a net? Or that the lines had been painted on straight? Could you just give us something to tell us that you were at least in the mood to swing a racket? Was your racket not suiting you in the way they should? I don't know what you expected. They weren't changing tennis balls for beach balls, golf balls. They weren't squares. They were just asking you to hit a regular ball over a regular net. And I thank you for lulling me in to look like an idiot. I've looked like an idiot on this podcast because you started me doubting the very scientific freakonomics by which I prepare for each predictions round. And this was meant to be the come on, I'm excited segment, wasn't it, Lightning? They're all blurring into each other. I'm sorry, Iga. I'm, I'm a big fan, big fan. <laughs> But you're dead right, Cutters, in the Not Us Open. She has been the epitome of it. To storm into the tournament, roll up to the first interview and say, yep, yeah, hate your city, hate your equipment, hate the game. <laughs> she definitely had us doubting whether she really had the medal to actually win the thing when she didn't actually want to be there. So that was what got me excited, Cutters, was Iga Schwantek. And you attempted to pull me down, but what has got you excited, my friend? Lightning, I teased it at the start of the episode. Mm. You might have noticed the nipples don't lie, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not the next gen that's getting me excited, Lightning. It is Margaret Court and her fraternity. It is the X gen. Uh -huh. It is the idea that our Marg is not finished yet. Mm. During the first week of the US Open, she gave a candid interview where she shared some of her thoughts towards Serena, and it made for scintillating reading. Mm. When talking about the comparison between legacies, Margaret commented, I came back after two babies, winning three out of four slams, and Serena hasn't won a slam since. <laughs> Burn. Wowzers. She also went on to say, I would love to have played in this era. I think it's so much easier. <laughs> so fascinating to see Margaret potentially playing a rope-a-dope of her own lightning mm. and suggesting her era is not finished yet. I can see the X-Gen oh. coming back. It's almost like she's thrown down the gauntlet. If she had the strength as a 70-odd-year-old to be able to carry the gauntlet and place it at the feet of Serena, she would. But she is cash rich. So she's managed to hire a couple of ex-ball kids from her era, who are also getting up there, might I add, to fly the gauntlet over to the US. 
deliver it to Serena's house and suggest, hey, Serena, are you done? Because I ain't done yet. And what a match that would be, Lightning. I can see it already. Australian Open. We'd give her a wild card, wouldn't we, Lightning? Absolutely. (laughs) I think a lot of the Australian public already view her as such. So it would be wonderful (laughs) to see what she could make of that, Lightning. And I think, Serena, you're evolving away from tennis. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, evolution happens over a very, very long time. Last time I checked... If you ask Margaret, of course, it was seven days. But in most cases, I think people would agree that you've got many years before you need to remove yourself from the sport of tennis. So I would just encourage these two to come together, not to resolve any conflict, but to duke it out on court. Wooden racket v. Wooden racket. I I think it's almost like some sort of medieval duel. One gets to choose the weapons. The other gets to choose the outfit. And we can just see them go hammer and tong and decide once and for all, who is the true goat sack lightning? Please don't patronize me. I, I would have no, no. You are in the way you're asking in the way you're asking your question. You are being quite disrespectful, and you are patronising me. I'm a professional competitor who did her best today. Well, listeners, it is time to fed up, and it is time to poo down. This is a segment in which we consider those who are worth highlighting as the up and comers, the next next gen, having pooed down the previous generation. And we see who else we can flush down that proverbial toilet with that former next gen. So, Cutters, for me, this year in 2022, my fed up is a man I was immensely impressed with. And that is Francis TFO. Mm. Uh, TFO, hey, he's dynamite. (laughs) TFO, hey, he'll win the fight. He is now, Cutters, 19 in the world after a barnstorming run. The Americans have been all at sea. We have not seen a US man at the top of the rankings for so long. And yet, in this tournament, we saw Francis TFO take out Schwartzman in what I assume was the junior division. But then, in the main draw, taking out (laughs) Rublev. Lightning, I heard he took him out for a game of bowling and a baby Chino. Indeed he did, and yet that did not distract him from his task in the main draw when he then took out Rublev. He then took out Rafael Nadal. Incredible. And then an amazing five-set semi-final against Alcaraz. He almost made it all the way through to the final. He has become the first American since 2006 to do so, to to reach the semis, and the first African-American male since 1972. Incredible. I mean, America cutters have been looking for for a good player. Mm. Let's, Let's face it. They're just wanting anyone to throw their support behind. But not only that, he's come out, he's not just a player cutters, he's a showman. He is a performer. He is a galvanizer of energy. And I just love that he comes onto court as the classic all-American sportsman. He's slapping asses. He's chest-bumping linesmen (laughs) and ball kids. He's pouring a tub of Gatorade over the umpire at changes of ends. You know, and it is everything you want to see in a sportsman, in a tennis player. And the brilliance of all this lightning is just to see the likes of Riley Apelka and John Isner utterly dumbfounded that a guy 
can get further than the third round. <laughs> and it's something called a ground stroke? I don't yeah. really know. I think they thought that that was something straight out of the Kama Sutra book, but <laughs> it's actually a fundamental <laughs> of the game of tennis, and you should try it sometime. And Catters, for me, my poo down. This year, it is on-court coaching. Mm. Now, this was an initiative brought in. And, oh, I mean, we were excited by the prospect. We've seen it in other tournaments around the world. They've experimented with this phenomenon of allowing coaching, and it was brought in to a Grand Slam. And so, of course, we're all fascinated as to what's going to happen and how this is going to play out between player and coach. And it has been an absolute damp squib. We have not heard <laughs> boo from a goose, Catter's... I cannot think of an instance where I have seen an example of coaching and it's just been brought in and I'm disappointed. Kat, is we're in a modern technological age. Why is there not an entire row of interns analysing data, <laughs> taking in information and then getting that information back out onto court? I mean, I have an iPhone that can tell me my pace, the elevation, my heart rate. How the frick do they not gather data live and get it to a player in a worthwhile communicative form that will actually aid the player on court? This could have been a fascinating element to see giant interactive whiteboards popping up in the stands with diagrams and circles and directional arrows. This could have been game-changing, and yet we didn't see a flippin' thing happen the entire time. And for me, the whole phenomenon is just weird. They kind of say, yeah, you can have on-court coaching. But of course, the coach is just sitting off to one end of the court, fairly inaccessibly to the player, having to just <laughs> yell out instructions over the top of everyone else who can hear the instructions. And of course, tennis being tennis, the players change ends. So all of a sudden... Your coach is not in your corner, but is down the other end behind the other bloke, and you're left kind of yelling up out to Natalo the other end. Hey, Rafa, can, can you just ask the coach just how I'm supposed to break down your forehand? Can you just can you just send him a message back there? It is a shamozzle, Gattis. It is a shamozzle. What do you make of on-court coaching? Oh, I'm totally with you, Lightning. And the fact is, we all know this was only brought in to eliminate Apostolus, Stefanos Tsitsipas's oh, yes. dear father yes, from yes. being ejected again and again <laughs> and again by these covert operations where, I mean, it didn't have to be that covert. You could sit within 50 <laughs> meters and hear him just shouting at his son like a Greek tragedy. And suddenly we've allowed it. And Stefanos clearly doesn't find it interesting anymore. So he bounces in the first day of play. Yes. And we're stuck with some sort of stupid rule change that no one seems that interested no. in. As you said, it's totally archaic. So coaches, even if they wanted to get the message across, <laughs> are sitting in many cases on Arthur Ashe Stadium with 20,000 fans <laughs> just <laughs> shouting around them. Like as a player, you're either in the bubble or you're allowing yourself to open up to feedback. And I'm pretty sure you don't want to be hearing what Gary and Buck have to say <laughs> in row E as they slurp down their 10th beer over their seventh hot dog. I'm pretty sure he was belching in Morse code that I need to attack more at the net. So it's just unhelpful, Lightning. I think there is an option to potentially 
hire some sort of physical interpretive dancer to get your message across because that's probably the only way of doing it. Although I could see that backfiring as well. I could imagine Rafa looking to Uncle Tony for guidance and... Of course, they've hired a mime artist who unfortunately doesn't have a broad repertoire. So (laughs) Raph is confused why Uncle Tony thinks he's still playing like he's trapped in a glass box all the time. It's very unhelpful, Lightning. Uh, Well said. Catters, I am very interested. What for you this year is your fed up and indeed poo down? Well... It was cute of you to start with the entree lightning, but let's clear the banquet table (laughs) and bring on the main course because I am fedding up the fact that I'm pumped about one thing and it links to the deficiency we saw in Carlos Alcaraz's game. I've managed to turn a positive into a negative within <laughs> 10 seconds yet again. But I will get there, Lightning. When I was tuning in to see Alcaraz's matches, at no point did I see someone attempting to hit a ball out of a stadium in the hope of striking someone at the neighboring merchandise stand. <laughs> at no point did he ask a crowd member if they had had 700 beers or why they're sitting alone, where's your family, bro, where's your family? At no point did I see him scream demonically, but Schmeagol likes to break serve. (laughs) I tell you who did, and that is St. Nick. He's back, baby. He's back. And I was worried there at the update episode we did last week. St. Nick was behaving a little bit too well for his own good Mm -hmm. lightning. And as you and I have often said, when you take away the antics You've just got tennis, and that is not good for anyone. I believe the ATP is going to be running that as their (laughs) teaser across the winter break. So just to see St. Nick, who was cool, calm, composed, and batshit boring, to just at the very end, when he lost his quarterfinal match against Karen Hatchinov in a fifth set, calmly shake hands, wish him luck, step back to his chair, and proceed to eviscerate his racket, smashing it into smithereens. I believe there were businessmen walking home from Wall Street who were removing shards of that carbon fiber from their immaculate suits, Lightning. It was a beautiful thing to see, and just the forward planning to have packed a paintball gun in his kit bag and taking pot shots at the punters across Arthur Ashe who were diving for cover. They now call it the Ash Rash. What a beautiful moment of interactivity between player and former fans. So fantastic lightning. I loved every minute of it. And I also just want to point as well to a man who we have relied on similarly for psychotic fits. I don't know how to express it any other way. And that is the man-child. A semi-mature man trapped in a child's body, a babushka doll of personalities and boy band looks. And that is Andre Rublev, who returned to form in his quarterfinal against the aforementioned Tiafo, where he inexplicably mid-match just burst into tears. So he is truly harnessing his inner man-child. 
I believe they had run out of quarters for the gumball dispensing machine at the change of ends, and he wasn't happy about it. But like a true man-child, he shows the child side, but then he manages to compose himself like the true man he is by taking a fresh ball and shoving it down the gob to just repress any potential emotion that he might be showing. So... Once a ball muncher, always a ball muncher, <laughs> Lightning, and just really got me excited. I am seeing Ega Schwantek's concerns, though. If the balls she's getting have been half eaten, I'm starting to appreciate the issues she may have had. <laughs> she did take issue with how delicious the balls were this year. So the man-child, being the sweet tooth he is, couldn't resist. And for my poo down lightning, it's a double dump. Double dump. At this year's US Open. And the first is the ranking system. Okay. As we've established, lightning, I'm no (laughs) statistist. I'm not much of a verbalist either. I'm not much of a pronouncist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm no statistician. So I struggle to keep up with these technical terms around the rankings and the points and you win points, you lose points, mm, you mm, blah, blah. get bonus points. I don't know how it all works, Lightning. Let's call the whole thing off. But the reality <laughs> is we can't. There is a race. And somehow we saw ourselves in a position where Kasper Rud, the mountain man from Norway, finds himself one win away from the number one yes. spot. Now, there is something very very wrong with this system, Lightning, yes. where a middle-tier clay quarter can suddenly find himself in a position to claim the number yeah. one. I'm not happy with no. that. There is something severely, severely wrong with this world. Oh. Thank goodness The Rock stepped on court and tore him a new fjord on Arthur <laughs> Ashe Lightning because we cannot afford for our ranking system to be trivialized in the way it has been recently. Absolutely. It makes no sense to me that Casper the Friendly Rood could have been world number one at a time when there is a Rafael Nadal, when there is a Novak Djokovic still kicking around. I mean, you put Rood and Djokovic next to each other, and all you could do is look at Casper and say, well, yeah, I mean, he's slightly more vaccinated than Joker. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, if it was a set of injections, he would have won in straight sets. You know, but in the game of tennis, I'm going to back Novak every time. Exactly, Lightning. Don't get me wrong. Rude is a journeyman, but he's nothing more than that. Contivate, second in the world on the women's side, Mm. a journey woman. But it makes me wonder, are frequent flyer points getting confused with (laughs) the winnings you collect from these chump tournaments, Lightning? I need to get to the bottom of this. So these frequent trier points shouldn't be counting, and I'm... Really going to have to do some research over the next few months and get back to you on that for it to ever be retrieved from the frozen turd it is in my mind right now, Lightning. But speaking of frozen turds, you want a second? I'll give you a second. The other day during Tiafo's match on center court, it was an evening session. All eyes were on him. I think Michelle Obama was in the stands. Great sense of occasion, Lightning. And what do I see? I see a man giving another man... A haircut. (laughs) And that is not what I expected to be happening in the stands at the change of ends. 
And that was fine. I'm okay with that. We're all busy, you know, pick a time, pick a place. Good on you. No judgment there. He looked quite fetching with his new short do. That's fine by me, Lightning. The problem I have with it is that the US Open chose to eject this man and presumably his barber shop quartet (laughs) straight away at the next change events. And I'm sorry, but is there any explicit rule that precludes someone from getting their hair cut at the tennis? Well, not that I'm aware of. I mean, you can yell out coaching advice from 12 rows back. I can't see why, (laughs) you know, a short back and sides is out of place at the Open. Exactly. And so my problem with this lightning is it's inconsistent Mm. with the spirit of the Grand Slam. Now, what is the spirit of the Grand Slam, you ask? And it's a great question. Thank you. And it's not a poem written by father and son duo Tsitsipas on a Greek beach. It's just the vibe that you get from going to a slam trusting that you're not going to have some authoritarian regime precluding you from having a good time. People do whatever they want. It's not harming anyone. Like we said, it's a rowdy crowd at the US Open, and I think it's been similar at the Australian Open. I just want to canvas the fact that we've done a few things in our past. Maybe we're not so proud of it. Maybe we're incredibly proud of it. But it was a different time lightning. I seem to recall having brought in a life-size cutout of Tiger Woods dressed as a pimp hot on the heels of the expose of his affairs, taunting players from the stands whilst people held up placards saying, I slept with Tiger. And there was no retribution. In fact, there was nothing but encouragement from Tennis Australia. I recall a time, I'm not proud of it, where I may have dressed up as Harry Potter and cast spells on the players, uh, giving them coaching advice in Latin. Now, was I cautioned for this? No. I seem to recall a time where you dressed up with a giant manga head and sprinted around the middle platform of Rod Laver Arena at the change of ends, dashing in front of 16,000 people who were cheering for you to get back to your seat, delaying the start of play. It is true that disproportionate head boy may have done a lap or two only to then find his way down into the corporate area where he may have made himself at home. I seem to also recall when the Pope managed to sneak his way into Rod Laver Arena and was taken around in a Pope-mobile, which we constructed in the stands. That, that is correct. I do recall also smuggling in five full-size cardboard cutouts of a shirtless Mark Philippousis to pass around the stands in a game of Marco Pousis. <laughs> and as we were presenting these to security on the way in, they just nodded and said, any cans or bottles. So perhaps a more laissez-faire approach to gate security in Australia. I believe it was they asked us about Cans, bottles, or hairdressing equipment, I believe, was what they said at the door. (laughs) That's true, Lightning. It's unfair. So the fact that we once also built an almost full-size tennis court in the stands, including volleyball net, and had people playing with a ball on the end of a long fishing rod from side to side to provide our rudimentary form of Hawkeye far before the technology was there. 
So Lightning, I don't know if I want to live in a world where someone can't bring in a six-foot novelty Nokia flip phone <laughs> to answer whilst the players are changing ends or allowing the front row to lower giant speech bubbles down on court <laughs> yeah. so, so that ball kids are having conversations live on television. <laughs> I remember because we hung that one down that said, one day I want to be a ball man. <laughs> Do you regret not apologising for hitting him with the ball in the first Why would I apologise? Why would I apologise? I want the point. I mean, the dude's got how many slams? How much money in the bank account? I think he can take a ball to the chest, bro. Well, in this, the super tie-break segment, there's not a whole lot to write home about, Catters, in terms of our predictions in the Not Us Open of 2022. We really went far afield and, of course, got nowhere near the eventual winners of this year's Open. So let's not touch on predictions so much as a reflection back on the year that was. This is, of course, the last slam of the year until we meet again for the Australian Open in January of 23. So let's... Have a stroll back through memory lane. Catters, what grabbed you about this year of tennis? It's a great question, Lightning. One of the good things about being me is I find it very easy to clear my mind completely. No thoughts, <laughs> not much going on. Just imagine a big, empty white room. And I've done that in preparation for this episode, as I tend to do. And when I started to populate this room with things, I realized I can't look past Ash Barty. Mm. She permeated my thoughts, Lightning. It was just such a beautiful moment earlier this year where she came, she saw, she conquered, she dropped the mic, she left the tour, mm. never to be seen again. And it was just a beautiful end to a short but impressive career. And I love the fact that hot on the heels of the US Open, the tour have announced that they are going to rename the Arthur Ashe Stadium to the Ash Ash Stadium, <laughs> which is just a beautiful sentiment for someone who never had success there, but I'm all for Ash Ash baby. Other highlights that spring to mind in this white room of mine. Oh yes, I can see Casper Ruud waving to me from the corner alone, unsurprisingly, and no number one title, which is great. The schadenfreude in me takes wonderful joy from seeing a man like that not succeed to the highest peak. Mm. And Sasha Shame, well, it was the year of his big break, which <laughs> none of us predicted. And I wish him a speedy recovery from that impending amputation, I presume. What else have I got here? Oh, no, I can say hi from Cat Pash, who is who looks elated as he's announcing that he's running for president of Tennis Australia and also running from several debt collectors, I hear. So keep him in your thoughts and prayers in the coming weeks. And podcasts, I believe, as well. <laughs> Bastard. Lightning, what were your highlights for the year? Yeah, well, I found myself thinking about the next gen that is here to stay, Cutters, now with Iga Schwantek and Alcaraz firmly establishing his place among the greats to come. And, of course, he's now, as we said earlier, the first ever 19-year-old to become world number one. And so Wally Masua was very wise in coming out this week and saying, he's the best 19-year-old I've seen. <laughs> Thanks, Wally. Yeah. Good assessment. Also believes Novak Djokovic is also good at tennis. 
Thank you, <laughs> Wally. Unfortunately, his title has been stripped of him from special comments to comments. <laughs> Catters, it was a year in which we didn't see, we didn't see, what's that bloke's name? Um, Federer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. He has had more surgeries, Catters. He's now officially had more surgeries than Grand Slams and is certainly (laughs) hoping to rely on those frequent try points to get into... Uh, some of the upcoming tournaments, when we hope to see him in 2023, but he will be featuring in the upcoming Labor Cup, which we won't feature on this podcast. But cutters in the Team Europe, they're ready to feature Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Federer, and one Andy Murray, which is, I mean, it sounds incredible 15 years ago, but I reckon if you <laughs> took them all apart and used them for spare parts, you'd probably have one good player in that midst. So it's <laughs> absolutely. I would have made the strategic choice to sub one of them out for Doc from Back to the Future so that we could actually <laughs> see them play in their prime. <laughs> Thankfully, all four of them are going to play on court up one end. So that will increase their chances <laughs> of. Uh, People say it's a Mickey Mouse tournament. I just don't see it. <laughs> but of course, Catters, it was also a year in which Rafael Nadal only lost one Grand Slam match, having just hammered the bloke only moments ago. But to, to see him still at the top with 21 Grand Slams, tied with Novak at the end of this year, it still leaves the goat race wide open. Someone who has no chance of ever even owning a goat is Dominic Team, uh, <laughs> who... Apparently this year did win a game of Uno against his son. Is pretty much as good as it got in uh, 2022. But really, I can't think of a whole lot more to speak of, Catters, other than the big news of the US Open when Girl Who Skulls Beer returned. Just to show off the inventiveness of fans at the US Open. Same girl, same stunt, probably same beer, sculling a beer. I sense a tone of sarcasm from you, Lightning, and I understand that, but I thought it was really touching to see that Eugenie Bouchard is doing well these days. (laughs) And speaking of careers not living up to their potential, Lightning, I think it would be remiss of us not to mention Serena, who bows out this year having ignored the throwing down of the gauntlet from our Maggie Court. So we can only hope that she will come to her senses over the off-season, and we'll see her again in 2023. Don't be surprised. Mm. Well, listeners, it is time to leave you on the back of this US Open, and indeed for the year, mind you, we'll be active on our socials, so you can still catch us on Instagram with our handle the backhanders. But until then, there's still time to review and to share, to re-listen, to go back through our wonderful back catalogue, and get up to speed on all the in-jokes that you are not <laughs> comprehending in any way and are wondering why we're giggling like schoolgirls between ourselves. Friends, we would love you to continue to journey with us into the new year when we see you again at the Australian Open in 2023. But until then, if you were once a part of the next gen, which is now the X gen, but not the good X gen, and certainly not as cool as the X-Men, well... Just remember to be quiet, please.